have the power for us to be successful or not. Like, if we have a habit of working up early, we can go to work. If we don't have a habit of working up early, we'll have a habit of getting fired. All right, so our habits really help us in our lives. Yeah, so even looking up some power of habits, they can change your life, as in they help you reach your goals, help you become the person you want to be, allow you to help people around you, increase the quality of your life, and reap lifelong blessings. But a lot of times in society, they teach you not to just be a, a, a leader, but they teach you to be a follower. Even in school, they teach you to learn from other people. But really, I truly believe this, even if you read the gospel, God wants you to have a habit of being a leader. I truly believe that. And it's important that we have spiritual habits that abide in God so we can lead ourselves spiritually because we know culture is not aligned with what God has for us in our lives. A lot of times, and I am the first person at fault in this, the busier we get, the more we tend to push God away. The busier we get, the less time we have, the more God kind of gets pushed to the side. But really, on the opposite, when you read scripture, the busier we get, the more God we need. When we see Jesus was amazing at this. When the busier he got, the more people wanted him, the more people needed miracles, the more the crowd chased him. Jesus ran away. Can you imagine that? The Lord of Lords, the God Almighty, ran away on the job. He ran away to pray with his father. He would wake up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., to pray intercessory prayers over us. Imagine that if we would do the same thing, that would be our habit. Not when we get to rock bottom, not when we're crying, not when we have no other option, but anytime something comes up, we have a habit of running to God. That would be amazing. Even in Joshua, I love this story of Joshua, right when he's about to take over Israel as a leader, he's about to be promoted to his mantle, uh, Joshua 1.8, God says this to him. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And sometimes that's the opposite of what we think. When we get promotion, we think we have to do more. But no, what did God tell Daniel? No, if you get promotion, you have to abide in me more. You have to seek me more. You have to read about me more. You have to learn everything I'm trying to give you. Daniel, remember Daniel? He did the same thing. He had a habit of praying three times a day. So when the law came after him and told him he couldn't pray, like, no, this is my habit. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. He was stuck in his ways, but those were good spiritual ways to help him have a foundation for his life. See, the spiritual leaders seek God for guidance daily. And it's not something they think about. They have it in their routine. That's where the word religion comes from. It comes from something you do routinely. But they routinely aren't just doing, going through the motions. They're routinely abiding in the Lord. What I love about this is another pastor spoke about this is the Holy Spirit is like your GPS system. It tells you when to turn. It tells you where you're going. And sometimes it can be silent, but you're going down the right path. So it's time to move. And if the Holy Spirit is your GPS system, I feel like the Bible is your instruction manual. It tells you how to hear from the Holy Spirit. It tells you what to do, how to fix it, how to keep your car in maintenance. See, we understand if we have a car and the structure manual for our car, we understand we need to put gas in our car. 
We don't need to pray about it. We just know because that's what we're supposed to do. But if I put lemonade in my car, my car's going to stall out. That's the wrong fuel. If you put lemonade in me in summer, I'm going to go. That's a good fuel for me. But if we put the wrong fuel in our bodies, we're going to be like that car. We're going to stall out. But many times, we are comparing ourselves to the world. And we're trying to put worldly things in our spiritual bodies. And we wonder why we're stalling in our lives. We wonder why we're not moving. We wonder why, because we're putting lemonade in our car, but no, we need gas. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to abide. We need to go to the vine. In some situations, like I said, we're not even need to pray if we know what's in the Bible. We know right from wrong. But many times we get caught up in what we think we need to do. And we put ourselves in position of God. So 2 Timothy 2.15 says it like this. It says, study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Now, Timothy is teaching this to the church. And what this is amazing to see is what you read in your life, what you read in this book, what you apply in your prayers will be come to fruition in reality. You will be tested. You will say if God says to forgive, you will have situations in your life where you need to practice forgiveness. It's not just read about it, you got to be about it. If he says it's good to give, you have situations in your life where you're going to need to apply and to give. And this is tempting to say study so you know what to do when it's time to do it. Proverbs 4, 7 puts it this way. And all you're getting, get understanding. Now, sometimes if we have a choice, you have $20, do we want to buy a book and get wisdom or do you want to go in and out? A lot of times I choose In-N-Out, but it is so good to buy a book because In-N-Out is going to be gone within an hour, but a book will stay with you the rest of your life. That wisdom that will come to you. You can get success through that. This is what Scripture is teaching us. It tells us to renew our mind in the Lord. And what I love about this is Hosea 4, 6. This is a warning to tell you how truthful the world we live in today. It says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest. Because you have ignored God or ignored the law of your God, I will also ignore your children. That's some heavy stuff. Some heavy stuff. If we don't apply what we learn through this book, we can lose what God has for us in our lives. That happened to Israel. They rejected God from generation to generation, and many troubles came their way. And God said, hey, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. And they lost out on their blessing because they didn't read the book, because they didn't apply what God had for their lives. And many times, even we sit here today, I know we are strong Christians. We have ministry upon ministry within this church. But a lot of times we miss out on several things, maybe not our salvation, but we miss out what God has from us because we're too busy trying to do what we think we need to do instead of abiding what God is telling us to do. And I am at, number one at fault at that as well. This was convicting to my soul. Even the ministry myself, I need to learn, God, what do you have for me? How can I abide in you? Not thinking, what can I do to push this forward? This was a gut check for me. And it was a good gut check for all of us, but I love the fact that he said, if you abide in me, I will bear fruit in you. That's all throughout the scripture. 
So teaching the word of God isn't just to put parameters on our lives. Or abiding or reading where it's not just put parameters, but really it's a safeguard. So you think about Adam and Eve, and God told them not to eat the fruit of, tree, of good and evil. It was to protect them. A lot of things in God's word, in God's Holy Spirit, when he speaks to you, it's not just to restrict your life, but it's to protect your life from what the enemy is trying to get at, get at you. If we can have that scope, we can live more freely and understand what we're trying to do. Everything in here is here for your own protection. What I love about the habit is really when I look back at my life and Wes told me to really help preach today, I feel like my testimony is in the habits. I feel like I'm here today because of the habits that not only that I developed that were given to me. So I'd love to even kind of get into my own story and share where I come from and share how the habits of getting into God's word and praying has helped me in my life. So once again, I'm from, originally from Chicago. I've been out here for four years. So I love deep dish pizza. I love the Chicago Bears, still to this day. I have an amazing family. I'm the youngest of three siblings, so I have an older brother, older sister, and my mom and dad. They live uh, still back in Chicago. But what one of my fondest memories of my family was, my mother would read the Bible to me every night and ask me questions. And that, and that stuck with me, because even after when I was able to read it myself, I kept that habit up. I just want to pause here, so not only to our parents, but everybody here that's the ministry. The habits you have aren't just for you. The habits you have are a deflection of God, and they inspire others around you. So when you go into the schools, you have a habit of loving on people, speaking highly of people. That's the reflection of God, and those kids will pick up on that. When you go to your work and you minister to those around you, they will pick up on your habits. You have influence beyond your measure. I didn't have a habit of reading the Bible. My mother gave that to me. Your habits that you guys establish now will affect all of those around you. So the Bible is the word of God. And we need to read it and apply what it says. My love this. I have a graphic up here, but it's from Guardian.com. They have an amazing reference. I talked about how many times the Bible references each other. And they have all these different graphs. And one of the references talks about how there's 360 Thousand references the Bible does for Bible verse to Bible verse. It references each other. And the other graphs talk about how every Bible is connected to another story. And you see this amazing rainbow of how everything is connected in one page. I mean, excuse me, in one major book. So, yes, the Bible was written by man, but it was influenced through the Holy Spirit. These are God's words. Man cannot do that. So, we truly believe that this is uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. That all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So growing up, like I said, I had this habit of reading that my mother gave me. So, but at the same time, I was just like any other kid. I just wanted to fit in. I played sports, wanted to have friends. I was just like an average kid. But really, it wasn't until high school when I came into sports. So I actually didn't play sports until my brother started playing sports. And since he was older, I just copied everything he did. I just followed suit. He ran track, I ran track. He played football, I played football. He told me to throw cake at somebody, I did it. So it was, like I said, it wasn't even me. I just did it. So if I got in trouble, it probably was his fault. But I got the blame for it. So I played sports because that's what my brother did. But then I kind of found out my identity in that. And I loved it. I found my friends in sports. 
Uh, I actually was part of FCA when I was in high school, Fellowship Christian Athletes. I wasn't afraid to pray with people. But at the same time, I couldn't call myself a closet Christian, but I kind of kept to myself as well. But in high school, um, my junior year, I had a very good year. I was able to get all state in the football, all state in track, and all of a sudden I started getting all this attention. I went from just being a normal kid to being very popular. I was on the homecoming court. Um, I didn't have any money for college. And all of a sudden, I got a whole bunch of scholarships, college for free. I got to pick where I get to go. I was looking for football to win state. Number one running in track. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to win state in that. Finally got attention from a girl. I'm like, yes. First time in my life, I got attention from a girl. Got a girlfriend. I'm like, this is going to be my best year yet, guy. I've worked so hard for you. And I've worked so hard in my sport. This is my goal. So I had everything going for me this year, but then at the same time, all of that was taken away with one hit. I ended up tearing my ACL on football, so I lost a lot of scholarships, lost a chance to win a championship in football and track, lost going out with my friends, the girlfriend eventually left me too, and then but really what hurt me the most was like, guy, where were you in this? It's not that I didn't even put you second, God. I was praying for my team in a secular school. I was part of FCA, God. I loved you, but why did you take everything I worked for? Why did you isolate me? Now I'm in this big old just, uh, ice machine on my leg, and you're cranking my leg three times a day just to get it to move, God. Why am I in this position? And did you know what God said? At that point in time, he was silent. I did not get an answer from him. I did not get anything that I knew coming from the Holy Spirit to why I had to go through this pain, why I had to lose everything I worked for at this moment in time, why I was isolated my senior in high school. So I had to make a choice. There was no more parties, no more friends, no more sports. But I chose, God, I'm going to serve you anyway. It was a habit of still reading my Bible. It's like, God, I've had this happen since I was a child. I will continue to read it. I will continue to serve you, even when I'm mad, even when I feel like you took everything away that I had worked for. The one verse that really stuck out to me is Joshua 1.9. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is a very encouraging voice uh, to me because I didn't feel like God was with me at that time. I didn't feel his presence all my life, but that's what his word said. So at that point in time, I said, God, I'm not going to go off my emotions. I'm going to go off the truth of your word that you are with me, and I will push through the season. So when you feel like you're lost, God is still on your side. Matter of fact, there are times when you feel lost, you may not feel his presence is where he's really pushing and working in your life. We just can't see it at that moment in time. So our habits... And our practices can keep us disciplined and on the right track. Because our emotions can keep us lost. If we do how we do what we feel, we're going to be up and down depending on the day, depending on the weather, depending on what someone said to you at work. It will change. It will scatter. If we're looking for hearing from God at all times, just know God is God of everything. He will speak to you in the right time when you need it. We don't always determine that. But his word says he never leaves us. He never abandons us. So God's love remains true whether I was playing sports or I was in pain. His faithfulness never wavered. So luckily for me, I still got a scholarship, still went on to college, 
was part of ministry there. And then I'm, I'm thinking, God, okay, God, I'm still praying. I love this. How do I get plugged into ministry? Where do I go? What am I supposed to do? And then he actually gets me plugged into a youth group. And I'm serving with these other kids and these high schoolers. I'm having fun. But then all of a sudden, some things happen. I started realizing why I'm going through some pain that I went through. So I'm working with these high school kids, and I realize these kids are losing everything in their life. Some of these kids going through broken relationships. Some of these kids look like are about to drop out of high school, dealing with gang violence. The life is crumbling. Then it just hit me that if I hadn't gone through what I went through in high school, I wouldn't be able to minister to these kids today. If I hadn't felt the isolation that I, I had felt then, I would not know how their pain is going through. I would not know what to say to them. I couldn't say, hey, I've been there before, and this is how I got through it. James 1, 2 through 4 puts it like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, in my time of isolation, God wanted to train me up. And when you look through the scripture, everybody who did anything great had to go through a period of isolation. Jesus did it constantly. Elijah did it. Moses did it. Joshua did it. All these had periods where they were isolated. It was just them and God. And God used that to build them up for the ministry he had for them. Then uh, 1 Peter 5, 9 says this, But resist them, be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted, established, and movable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. So it wasn't until I was in ministry and I saw the other sufferings of the people that I understand what this verse meant. I was able to minister because I knew my suffering wasn't just for me. And it came back to this word. Some of us, we get so caught up in our world and our struggles and our pain, and we seclude ourselves and we don't let anybody in. But here's God's word saying, no, your suffering is in the community. There are people I have for you that have been where you have been, that can help you where you are going. And there are people you need to help and to share and to comfort. And I love that just because we're not here alone on ourselves. Jesus had a community with him as well. So all of a sudden, at this point in time, I went from thanking God for my trials. Thank you, God, for allowing me to go through this period. Thank you, God, for letting me go through the isolation. Thank you, God, for giving me time where I was only just me and you. So my worst pain became my biggest praise. And sometimes we forget that when we go through suffering. The suffering in itself isn't bad, but it will prepare you for what God has for you later on. So even within the ministry, I started praising God for what he had, but at that point in time, I was like, okay, let me go to Nicaragua and continue on. Let me go to Haiti in a mission trip. And this time, now I'm in my mid-20s. Like, now it's time for me to start dating. We'll see what God has for me here. So part of my uh, dating story is you have to go to Auckland. You have to be vulnerable with people. So I had a funny clip with, uh, from the movie Hitch where he eats something and he gets allergic reactions. Like, oh, no, I'm good. But his face flares up. He's like, oh, no. That, like, I feel like that was my dating life. 
No, it was definitely my day one, but eventually I met Myra, my wife over here. And then, yeah. So then she accepts all the awkwardness. And that was great. So then I'm like, okay, this is the one. We're ready to go. And so then I had another decision to make, guy, because I was rooted and established where I was at. I didn't really want to leave. I'm like, she's all the way out here. So we're on two different sides of the country. So back in this decision, like, what do I do? But then I went back to my habit. All right, God, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to abide in you. But then I'll kind of run away and try to figure everything else out. But he kept bringing me back, bringing me back, bringing me back. So when you're lost, you can turn to God's word for direction. And I love that because especially with myself, when I try to figure everything out, God's like, no, 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 sit down. It's like there are times where God says, I need you to get out of my way and let me do this for you. So I, I need you to sit down and just abide in me, continue to come to me. I'm going to open these doors that you cannot open. If you keep knocking and keep pressing, you're going to continue to see that you are not going to get through it. Only this door is going to be open for me. So I had to learn that lesson. In Matthew 19, 5, um, this is a big lesson to me because this was the verse that let me know that, hey, you know what? God, I feel like you're calling me out to California. He said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. And when I prayed, I just had vision myself doing ministry out here. If I hadn't had the habit of continuing going back to God's word, I would have missed this. And I could have missed direction what God was giving me. I could have missed the opportunity God had for me in the ministries out here. So many times I feel like uh, I have improved relationship with God when I'm in his word. I feel like many times we can have a good sense of who we are and sense of identity when we know God's words in our lives. If we don't have an identity in God, we can follow anything. If you think of Adam and Eve, Adam had his identity in God. He knew what his job was. He was supposed to name all the creatures and have dominion over the land. When Eve came, she actually didn't have a name, right? When she was just called the woman. So when the serpent came, who was he going to mess with? Adam, supposed to be the son of God, or the woman who had no name? He went to the woman because she didn't have her identity in God. Though Adam, at that same time, was supposed to have dominion and supposed to control it, so he didn't do his job. But that's critical for us because if we don't know our identity, we will continue to fall and we're an easy target. We're an easy target for the enemy to sway us either way. So it's important for us to have an established routine of hearing from God on a daily basis, reminding ourselves who we are in, in him. Because the enemy will continue to try to distract us, continue to try to get us down on our confidence and forget who we are and to change our identity to whatever he sees fit. So really one of my last thoughts is going back to Joshua 1.9. It says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So reading God's word and applying it to your life really helps shape your identity of who you are and who God is in your life. Thank you.